Well, good morning, everybody. Morning. You guys awake? Yeah. Morning. 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 Oh, morning. Hey, I'm excited to worship with you guys this morning. If we have not met before, my name's Jason Squires, and um, just love to come hang out with. I love I love coming to Sonoma Valley. And yes, yes, yes. Um, if you're able to, why don't you stand up together as we sing?
Hey. 
for in today's football game.
All right. You can make your way to your seats, please. Uh, I missed. Uh, I, I missed my. What do you call it when you're? My cue. I missed my cue. I was supposed to be up here earlier, but I was talking. Uh, anyway, anyway, that's what I do. You know. What do you do for a living? I talk. Uh, so hey, real quick. When I was younger, when I was younger, I used to. Uh, not not I used to. I still do this. Uh, when when I was in my early 20s, I did something uh, that I've been doing for 40 years now. And what I did was uh, I, I knew that I could not end world hunger and global poverty all by myself. But I did know this. I knew that even though I didn't have a lot of money when I was younger, I could end world hunger and global poverty for one person. I knew I could do that. And so as a young man in my 20s, I began to support children uh, through an organization called Bibles for the World. I had, Rochunga Badaiti was the, um, the director of uh, Bibles for the World, and I had known him since I was just a little child. Uh, he was one of my heroes when I was growing up. And, uh, and so I've helped children in northeastern India now for, and, and Joy and I have been doing it ever since we've been married. So I've been doing this for about 40 years. And what's really, really cool for me is that all three of my adult children are doing, our children are doing the exact same thing. Uh, that, that, that Caleb, that Cass, and Faith, all three are 
uh, supporting, helping, put an end to world hunger and global, cho- or global poverty for children uh, through the ministry of uh, World Vision, which we're going to talk about a little bit here or more in a moment, and also through the uh, ministry of it's Compassion International, right? We're Jim Niato. Compassion International? Okay. Anyway, through Compassion. So, uh, but today, what we, we're going to do is we're going to talk a little bit about World Vision. And uh, Jason, you guys know Jason, Jason Squires. Uh, he is, uh, I, I feel like I can't introduce him as a, a guest worship artist because he's, 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 part, he's an extension of our church family. Amen. Um, so, uh, and, so anyway, so Jason, tell us a little bit, how did you... Uh, get involved in World Vision. Totally. When we started traveling in 2006, which was a long time ago, <laughs> 17 years now, uh, I booking yourself as an artist is exhausting. It's a, it's a, it feels like a, a thankless, a pointless. You just get because you're like, book me to play, play, book me to book me, and it was like, I can't do this forever. And realizing that I could take what we were doing and have a global impact with uh, traveling around being in front of people, working with people. Uh, a friend of mine said, have you thought about uh, becoming, uh, working with World Vision? And I said, I've never, I don't even know what that means. Like, talk to me about it. And he walked me through the process and became an advocate for World Vision. And since then, uh, we've seen almost 2,000 kids sponsored. Wow, that's Sundays. awesome. And it's just, it's like it gives the purpose to, uh, yeah, it gives, it gives the purpose to continuing to travel and continuing to be on the road. Um, 17 years later, like getting up and traveling and getting on an airplane sometimes and flying and uh, like it helps us go like this is there's a bigger there's a bigger job in front of us than just uh, picking up my guitar, writing some songs and sharing the lyrics. Mm. Like we get to and then since then we've been to Peru, El Salvador and Uganda mm. and got to meet kids that we sponsor and be in their homes, meet their families. And the thing that struck me is that it's not ju- it's real. Like, it's a real thing. It's not just like, oh, a picture folder with a, with a cute kid. Like, that is a kid hmm. that is alive today somewhere looking for you. Hmm. So, hmm. Awesome. That's fantastic. Isn't that cool? I mean, helping to end world hunger and global poverty for 2,000 kids. I just think that to me is just super cool. It really is. I mean, that, that's like a, a small town. I mean, that's like... Uh, it's 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 bigger than the town that my parents grew up in, so uh, I think that's really really cool. So uh, if there were a person here today who's like, hey, this really resonates with me, uh, you know, I and and I'd like to do something about that. What what can a person do today totally. if they would like to do something? Back in the back, we have a table uh, with picture folders on them, and it's uh, the thing about World Vision is it's a one to one sponsor ratio. So when you pick up the fat picture folder, there's not ten picture folders of that kid. You are sponsoring that child, and that you are that child's sponsor. And um, it's 39 bucks a month to be a sponsor. It covers all the basic necessities, helps you get to connect with them. And in the age of digital, digital age of 2023, uh, you can log online. Uh, I can tell you about one that's in the back, but how you can actually engage with them. And in most cases, there's actually a video of your child that you can um, see them talking to the camera and introducing themselves to you. Uh, and it's all of that is uh, is. Uh, yeah, 39 bucks, and you get to be their sponsor and help cover uh, their costs. And like Gary said, um, it can be a daunting task to go, we're going to end global hunger. But it's like, no, if we can end global hunger for one kid, like that's, a, that's, a, that's, a, that's an accomplishment. Hmm. And um, so we have, we have 25 picture folders today and um, would love to answer all your questions hmm. if you guys have ever thought about it. Um, and also if you, if you do it already and think like we can do another one, 
or we can, you know, we can sponsor another one. Like, let's have that conversation too, and so we'd, we'd love to be a part of that. Awesome, fantastic. All right, thank you very, very much. So, uh, what are you supposed to be up here? Oh, yeah. Well, <laughs> let's worship, you. okay? I love. You. I didn't. I didn't write out my. I didn't write out. I was ending all of this. My conclusion, <laughs> whatever. Uh, you guys doing okay this morning? Yeah. Anybody else thankful there's sunshine and not water? I mean, I know we need the rain, but I need also needed a little bit of sun. The sun came out after uh, many days of cloudiness. And did anybody else go like, what is that thing on the sky? It's so bright. Has it always been that bright? And, um, but this song we're going to uh, sing together. It's a song my wife and I wrote together, and we've done it here before, but it just says, God, I am not finished yet. As long as I can breathe, as long as I can run, as long as I can see the setting and the rising of the sun, uh, I have a reason to be here. And it's not to just take up space. It's not just to um, get up and go to bed and get up and go to bed and fall into that routine. If you are alive today, uh, you have a purpose. And um, I hope somebody needed to hear that this morning, because I know I need to hear that on a regular basis. Just being reminded of the fact that your purpose, um, although it may change um, from time to time, you still have a purpose. And so um, let's sing this song together.
Right. Good morning, everybody. So good to see you all. Uh, so one of my favorite books as a kid growing up uh, was the was what well, was uh, the Fellowship of the Ring, uh, part of the the novel the series uh, called The Lord of the Rings. And uh, in in the Fellowship of the Ring, there was this fellowship of adventurers, bold adventurers, uh, consisting of a couple of men, uh, four hobbits, a wizard an elf, and a dwarf. And, uh, and what they, they were tasked to do was to take a ring of power to Mount Mordor and to throw it into, I don't know, the fires there to destroy the ring and ultimately to defeat uh, the power, the, the, uh, the, the dark Lord Sauron. So uh, if some of you are nodding your head, you know the story. Uh, and, uh, but today what we're going to talk about is we're not going to talk about the, the fellowship of the ring, but the fellowship of the king. And, uh, and we are supposed to be a part of a fellowship. And I know for some of you, fellowship may seem like kind of a strange word. We don't really use that in our world today. We don't use that word. And yet it's a very, very important concept that's developed in the New Testament that I think is really important for us to understand and uh, what the Bible, or, well, actually, this is before I read to you from the scriptures. Let me just give you my definition of fellowship. Your your definition may be a little bit different. That's okay. Uh, we use the word fellowship in a lot of different ways. But when you read through the scriptures, and what we're going to do today is we're going to look at a whole lot of scripture. We're going to instead of uh, trying to do an exposition of a single text of Scripture, which is something that we need to do a lot, what we're going to do is we're going to do a survey of Scripture to see, get the big picture of a really important theme that God has for us. And, and we're in the middle of the series. We're calling it 40 Days of Purpose, and we're talking about God's purpose for your life. God has a purpose for you. Uh, God, uh, He loves you. He created you. Uh, he has... Uh, he has a very, very special purpose for you. And last week, we talked about our first purpose, and we talked about the purpose of worshiping God. And worship is how we love God, but fellowship is how we love one another. Did you get that? Worship is how we love God, but fellowship is how we love one another. And so fellowship, fellowship first of all, Coffee and donuts are absolutely awesome, okay? They are, all right? I mean, I, I, I drink coffee every day. I have to limit my intake of donuts, so I just will tell you that, all right? Uh, or I'd look like the Goodyear blimp, all right? But, uh, you know, I can eat donuts every day. I, I could. And, um, and, but fellowship is more than coffee and donuts, but I love our refreshment ministry, Sharon, uh, Sandy, everybody else who helps make that happen. Because what it does, it helps to facilitate uh, fellowship. Okay? So, so fellowship is not coffee and donuts. And fellowship isn't just pleasant conversation. 
after a Sunday morning service. So when I was a kid, I thought of the church as a building, because we always went to a building to worship. And I thought of church as, uh, uh, as a service time on Sunday morning, 10 o'clock. Uh, what are you doing this Sunday at 10 o'clock? Oh, we're going to church. We're going to this service. But, but church is more than a, serve, a service. And a church is not a building. A church is who we are when we're living out God's purpose for us together. And fellowship is more than coffee and donuts. And it's more than pleasant conversation after church. Although I do believe those are the beginning steps, the baby steps that move towards the biblical concept of fellowship. So this is my attempt uh, based upon my study of scripture uh, at, at what fellowship is. Fellowship as it's taught in the scriptures is the kind of bond. Okay. Think of a, a bond, you know, think of, I don't know, you weld something together like James Clausen is studying to be a welder. Okay, it's how you bond steel to steel. Okay, uh, or you get these different kinds of glues and they make these bonds that you can't break. Okay, so it's a bond, a bond, actually a bond that can't be broken. It, it, fellowship is taught in the scriptures is a kind of bond that people share when they are devoted to one another, really being devoted. When they are devoted to one another and following Jesus together. See, that's what the church is. The church is who we are when we're devoted to one another and we're following Jesus uh, together. Uh, they're, they're, when people do this, when people share this kind of, of bond and devotion, they are actually linked together spiritually. So we actually together, collectively, in Jesus, become an entity. We do. We become an entity. We actually become uh, a, a spiritual uh, we, we are linked together spiritually. So, so, um, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to kind of wade into the deep end of theology for a moment. But I want to try to make a point. Okay? Most of us here, you've heard of the Trinity. Okay? Most of us have heard of the Trinity. And when we think of the Trinity, we think of God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Three distinct persons and yet one God. That they are collectively one God. They are not, uh, they, they are three in one. And what the church is supposed to mirror is the kind of community that God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit have had for all of eternity. We are supposed to be a, a spiritual entity together. Uh, where we are really, truly linked to one another so that we become one. And that's why um, we see in the Bible the church is sometimes described as being a body. So like in, uh, in, in you see it in 1 Corinthians 12, you also see it in Romans chapter 12, where the Bible talks about that, that we have a body. We, and, and just as the body has one body but many members, we are, as the church, as true followers of Jesus, we are one body with many members. And if you take a member of the body and you separate it from the body, okay? So like when I was a kid, my grandfather only had part of a thumb, all right? Because he used to work for a sawmill, all right? Uh, so he had, only had part of a thumb, okay? When you lose a part of your thumb, that is not a pleasant experience for your body because your body needs that part, 
But as bad as it is for the body, it's even worse for the part, okay? That you and I, we were meant to be one together in Jesus. That, that another image that the Bible uses of the church quite often is a family. And if you lose a member of your family, okay, we had three kids growing up. You know, if we lost one of our kids, you know, faith wandered off, uh, we, we wouldn't say, oh, well, we still have two others. We, we wouldn't do that, would we? We would go out and we would do everything we could to find faith, right? Of course. And see, that's what a family does. They care for one another. They are an entity together. They are separate persons, but they are like an entity together. And that's what God intends for the church, and that's what fellowship really is supposed to look like. In Acts chapter 2, verse 42, I love this picture, but in Acts chapter 2, verse 42, the Bible says this. It says, they, the early Christians, this is right after Pentecost, it's right after Jesus was crucified, then he was raised again on the third day. He appeared to his disciples with many convincing proofs over a 40-day time frame. And on the 50th day, there was this outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And uh, in where Peter stands up and preaches, and 3,000 people came to know Jesus. And after those 3,000 people came to know Jesus, they were baptized. And after they were baptized, the Bible says of them, they were continually. And circle that word continually. They didn't do it occasionally. They didn't do it from time to time. They didn't do it when it was convenient. They continually devoted themselves. Devotion. Devotion, not casual Nothing casual about this. They were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching. That is the Word of God. That that this is the apostles' teaching right here that we have in our hands. Okay? They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship. Fellowship. More than pleasant conversation, and as awesome as coffee and donuts are, more than coffee and donuts. They continually devote themselves to fellowship. And so today what I want us to do is I want us to look at, talk about um, what does the biblical practice of fellowship look like and what exactly is it that God wants you and me to do. So, so what is it that God is wanting you and me to do? And first of all, what God wants for us, and this is what fellowship looks like, is number one, God wants us to love one another. And you're like, well, duh, okay, yeah, that's kind of easy. I kind of figured that out, okay? But God wants us to love one another in a very, very profound way. He does. In fact, Jesus says it this way in John chapter 13, verses 34 and 35. He says this, a new command I give, give you. A new command I give you as love one another, love one another, as I have loved you, so must you love one another. Can anybody tell me how Jesus loved us? How did Jesus love us? Yeah, he went, he went to the cross. Within about, I would say, maybe 18 hours of this comment by Jesus, Jesus went to the cross. He endured a cruel beating by Roman soldiers. He was stripped He had a crown of thorns put on his head, and he had nails, spikes driven through his hands and his feet, attached to a cross where he hung until he died. That's what love looks like. 
See, love looks like sacrifice for another, for the beloved. Jesus says, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. And guess what? This is what verse 35 says. says It says this, by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. You know, the world's not going to know that we're disciples of Jesus by who we vote for. It's not. It's not going to know that we're disciples because, I don't know, we can quote a lot of Bible verses. Or because we read our Bible every day. Or even that we go to church every week. But when you have a profound love for the people around you, and they have a profound love for you, when we love one another the way Jesus loves us, you know what? That is the most powerful defense of the gospel you can ever give. See, when people see in us a love like that, you know what's going to happen? People are going to look and say, I want to know more about the Jesus that they follow. Because they are completely unique in what I'm seeing in the world today. See, this is the kind of love that God is wanting for us. So let's talk about more of what does love look like. And, and I have three thoughts for you here. Number, number one is this. is This kind of love looks like being devoted to one another. The, the Bible says this in Romans 12.10. It says, um, be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. It means like putting each other first. It means not just giving lip service to the idea of loving others, but really where people see in a concrete way this devotion in us for one another. So it looks like being devoted to one another. Secondly, uh, what does this kind of love look, look like? It looks like putting one another first. Looks like putting one another first. In, in Philippians chapter 2, verses 3 and 4, uh, in verses 3 and 4, Paul writes this. He says, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Anybody ever been selfish before? Yeah? Yeah, I have too. Okay, we all have. Ever been conceited before? Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I, have I ever been, you know, all about me instead of about other people? I've done that. I've done that. Uh, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, whether in humility, humility, that's a really important word, in humility, value others. You know what it means to value something? You ever lose money before? I misplaced about $400 of cash one time, and it wasn't my cash. <laughs> I, was, I was involved in Rotary at the time, and our band from the church was playing for a Rotary function, and they gave me $400 cash. And I'm like, if you ever, please never give me a check to our church. I misplaced a $10,000 check one time, all right? Don't give me money because I'm afraid I'll lose it. You know, you know when, when you look, I did find the $400, by the way. I did give it to the band. I took out a small fee for the finder's you know, fee for finding the money, you know, and, and a replacement fee as well, you know, giving it to them, you know. No, I'm just kidding. I didn't do that. But, you know, you know, that we're supposed to value people more than stuff, more than money. money. In fact, we're supposed to, according to the Scriptures, we're supposed to value other people above ourselves, not looking to our own interests, but each of you to the, the interest of others. That's what love looks like. And thirdly, love looks like this. Love looks like Affirming one another's joys and hurts. 
Love doesn't say, well, you shouldn't feel like that. Did you know that? Love, love doesn't say you shouldn't feel that way. No, no, no. Love looks like affirming one another's joys and hurts. The Bible says this, rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Mourn with those who mourn. You know, a true friend, a true friend, I hope you all have at least one true friend. And I hope we can have true friendship, spiritual friendship here. But a true friend is the person who, when you're excited about something, they're excited with you. They're not envious that this good thing is happening in your life. They're excited this thing is happening in your life. A true friend is excited about what you're excited about. By the way, we're going to have a grandbaby in June. Thank you. You're my friends, okay? A true friend is excited about what we're excited about, and a true friend is also saddened by what we're saddened about. You know? I mean, I, you know, when one of my kids is going through a hard time, I feel sad on their behalf, all right? When one of my friends is going through a hard time, I feel saddened on their behalf. And that's what spiritual friendship, and, and that's another way of calling fellowship, I think, is, is that we're, we're excited with others with what they're excited about. We're saddened for others with what saddens them. But we really affirm each other in what we're experiencing in life. Okay? Uh, number two. Number two, what does fellowship look like? What is it that God is wanting you and me to do? Is number two, God wants us to live in harmony with one another. God wants us to live in harmony with one another. Uh, Romans twelve sixteen says this, live in harmony with one another. Uh, I don't know about you guys. I like old-time rock and roll, okay? I do. I'm just going to tell you, I do. I like, I, 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 I recently joined, um, uh, what's the name of the fitness place? Uh, Crunch. I recently joined Crunch, and I'm so disappointed. Is All they play is like rap music and hip-hop. I'm like, hey, man, you know, whatever happened to, you know, I don't know, Led Zeppelin or, you know, the Eagles or, you know, let's, let's get some, you know, some really good music going here. And on Friday afternoon, or I don't know what time it was, but uh, Joy was listening to me, listening to, I was listening to uh, Ventura Highway by America. Any of y'all know the song? Love that song. Love that song. Uh, I'm listening to Cosby Stills, uh, Nash, and um, uh, Southern Cross. Their harmonies are amazing. You, you know what I'm talking about? And when you hear harmonies like that, it is beautiful to hear. And when people see that kind of harmony in us, it is beautiful to see. Is that, that, that what God wants for us is He wants harmony in an age of acrimony. You know what acrimony is? It's like bitterness and hatefulness and rage towards one another. We live in the age of acrimony. But we want to live out harmony with one another. And that's what fellowship looks like. It looks like this beautiful harmony where God brings us together with all of our differences and makes something beautiful out of us together. Um, number thir- three, what does, what does fellowship look like according to the Bible? Number three, God wants us to forgive one another. Now, this is one of the hardest parts of fellowship, Okay. Because forgiving other people isn't easy, is it? 
No. Forgiving other people is actually extremely costly. When we feel hurt by another person, or when we feel hurt by people, um, it's hard to forgive. But the Bible says this. It says, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. Wow. You know what? I need forgiveness. I do. I do. I, I need forgiveness. I, I need a lot of forgiveness. The amazing thing is, God has forgiven me. And what God... And, and I don't know, but you need to be forgiven too. You do. Every one of us does. We need to be forgiven by other people. Obviously, we need God's forgiveness. But we need to be get forgiven by other people because there are times where we hurt and injure one another. So let me just say this real quickly. If I do something to hurt joy, do I say, well, you're supposed to forgive me? Is, is that what I do? No, 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 that wouldn't go over very well, okay? But what I do need to do, and you need to do this as well, when we're forgiving each other, we need to go and we need to say to the other person, sometimes we need to say, what I did was wrong. I'm sorry. There's no excuse. Will you forgive me? If you can learn to do that in your marriage, you will have an awesome marriage. You will. If you as a parent can learn to do that with your kids when you've wronged your kids, because every parent does, the fact that you're able to admit when you're wrong, to say there is no excuse, will you please forgive me? That is builds a very important bridge. I remember the first time my dad did that with me. It was it was life changing for me. It was life changing. But we need to be able to do that with other people. We need to admit when we're wrong. The other thing that we've got to do, and, and Joy does this really well, is Joy's really good at saying, I forgive you. She really is. And I need to be good at saying I forgive you. And all of us do. And, and, you know, here's the thing is, a lot of times people leave the church over a lot of different things. They do. But, but sometimes, sometimes the, re- the reason people will leave a church is because they feel hurt. Because they feel hurt. But sometimes I won't know if I've hurt someone. Um, sometimes I won't know that I've hurt Joy until later she says, you know, when you said that or when you did that, it hurt me. Is, is that... that the easiest thing to do when we feel hurt is to either lash out in anger, and some of us do that, I do that, or to withdraw. Okay? Uh, sometimes when people feel hurt, they lash out. And sometimes when people feel hurt, they withdraw. And what we've got to learn how to do is come together. We've got to learn how to say, I'm sorry, and we've got to learn how to say, I forgive you. Okay? So, uh, again, what does the Bible say? Uh, it says, Ephesians 4.32, Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. Number four, what does fellowship look like? What is it that God is wanting you to do? What is it that God is wanting me to do? Number four is simply this. God wants us to humbly serve one another. He wants us to humbly, humbly, That doesn't come easy. He wants us to humbly 
serve. Not resentfully serve, but to humbly serve one another in love. The Bible says this, Galatians 5.13. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another. Do you see these words? Serve one another. What does God want us to do? He wants us to serve one another. How? Humbly. How? In love. He wants us to humbly serve one another in love. That's what the Bible says. Now, humility, Rick Warren likes to say this, that humility uh, doesn't mean thinking less of ourselves. It means thinking of ourselves less. And I think that's a pretty good definition. I do. Um, you know, um, but what God wants us to do is He wants us to humbly serve one another. Uh, Jesus, himself said, Jesus Himself said this, Even the Son of Man, that's a title He used for Himself, even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give His life as a ransom for many. Is that Jesus came, even though, I mean, He's the Creator of the heavens and the earth. He's the Creator of all things. He is the King of kings, the Lord of lords. He is awesome and great. And He came to serve you and me and to give His life as a ransom. Uh, and, and what He's showing us is this is the way of following me, to serve and give uh, others. So what does humbly serving one another looks like? It looks like this two things here. First of all, God wants us to carry one another's burdens. Okay? To carry uh, each other's burdens. In this way, the Bible says, carry each other's burdens, and in this way, fulfill the law of Christ. It means carrying one another's burdens. This last summer, uh, our daughter, Faithy, was, uh, she was leading backtracking trips into... Uh, the high country in, in Washington, beautiful, beautiful place. And, uh, and she, was, she was leading these backtracking uh, trips, and she was also trained as what's called a, a woofer. Uh, I know, you're like, <laughs> you're, you're, I mean, that's the way I was. A woofer, what's that? You know, it doesn't sound like a good thing. But it's a, it's a wilderness first responder, WFR, okay? It's a woofer. Uh, a wilderness first responder. Basically like... Uh, uh, a medic, an emergency medic in the wilderness. And so she was trained in how to do this. And one little gal who was on one of the trips that they were leading, they were actually up above snow line, but the sun was out. It was reflecting off the snow in such a way that it became intensely hot. And that they are hiking at high elevation. Okay, This is high elevation. You know, when there's so little oxygen, it's almost not worth breathing. Okay? Uh, they're, they're, they're like... Like that. And it's like hard work. And this little girl up above the snow line became overheated. I know that sounds kind of bizarre, but that's what happened. And what happened was her core temperature, body temperature, began to go up. And they actually had to pack her in snow to bring her core body temperature back down again. And, uh, and once they got her temperature regulated... Um, Fortunately, she's being trained as a nurse, and she knows how to do this kind of stuff. But after they got her, uh, her temperature regulated, they, were, they had no cell phone. It's not like you could just call and say, hey, we need to helicopter someone out. Can you helicopter? They had to get her off the mountain. They still had to get her off the mountain. And so Faith carried her backpack, her own backpack, and carried this other girl's backpack as well. 
That's what it means to carry one another's burdens. That there are times there are times in the church when you're weary and you need someone else to carry your burden. And there are times in the church when the person next to us is weary and we need to help carry their burden. Uh, so what does it look like to humbly serve one another in love? Uh, first of all, God wants us to carry one another's burdens. Number two, God wants us to be outrageously generous. Outrageously generous in serving one another. Not just kind of generous. He wants us to be outrageously generous. This is what the Bible says in Acts chapter 4. This is an awesome text of Scripture. I mean, imagine if every church in uh, North America today, every church on every continent today was described like this. This was the early church in Jerusalem in Acts chapter 4. And what it says is it says, there were no needy people among them. In the ancient world, there were needy people everywhere. There was no such thing. In the ancient world, you wouldn't have been middle class. You wouldn't have been upper middle class. You would have been one of two things. You would have been, either have been extremely wealthy, extremely wealthy, billionaire type wealthy, or you would be a peasant. Or actually, you could be destitute. But in this church, there were no needy people among them. Isn't that amazing? And, and this is why. Because those who owned land or houses, those who were extravagantly wealthy, those who owned land or houses would sell them and bring the money to the apostles to give to those in need. They were outrageously generous. They were crazy generous. In our eyes, in our world today, I mean, you don't see a lot of that kind of generosity except here. I've seen it. Um, I did a rewrite of this message this morning because when I went to bed last night, I'm like, I feel like I'm getting it wrong. And I've got to do it differently. And I've got to do it better. By the way, one day this will probably be a series because there's so much scripture here. Uh, but, but, I was reminded about years ago that there was a young woman in our church uh, that God brought here. And um, she had had breast cancer. Uh, When she first came to us, she had been homeless and on drugs. And in, in our church and through our ministry and the work of Mission Solano, she was able to... uh, to get clean and sober and get into her own home. And, um, and when, she had, um, when she had breast cancer and no means to support herself and her family, this is what you guys did. You filled up this auditorium. This entire auditorium, there were no chairs set up. There was furniture from your homes. Some of you brought furniture. Some of you brought TV sets. I'm assuming you weren't using it anymore. Uh, but you brought TV set. You brought you brought uh, like all kinds of electronic stuff. 
we had, you know when you go to the gym, like if you go to Crunch, they have these weight machines where you can go around all the different stations. Someone brought one of those weight machines in. We had uh, one couple who brought a boat. It had to be parked outside. We filled up this entire auditorium. We filled up the parking lot outside. We had people stay up all that night, Friday night, watching everything and selling it all day Saturday. And you guys, you showed outrageous generosity. You did. That's what fellowship looks like. That's what fellowship looks like. It looks like... It looks like seeing the person in need and saying, we're going to help. Not, we're not going to say, somebody needs to do something about this. We're going to say, we're going to do something about this. That's what you guys did. That's what fellowship looks like. It looks like humbly serving one another in love. Fifth, uh, what, does, what, does, what does fellowship look like? What is it that God wants you and me to do? Is God wants us to restore one another. And this word restore is such an interesting word. God wants you, he wants me to restore one another. The Bible says this, Galatians 6.1, Brothers, sisters, if someone is caught, literally ensnared, it's like a snare used for capturing a small animal. If one of you is caught, ensnared in a sin, you who live by the Spirit, those of you who are really walking and keeping in step with the Holy Spirit. Uh, in James, or excuse me, Galatians chapter 5, the Bible talks about, you know, walk by the Spirit and you'll not carry out the desires of the flesh. And this is a continuation of this thought. And he's saying, those of you who are walking by the Spirit, those of you who live by the Spirit should restore. And that word restore literally means to set the bone. I don't know how many of you have had broken bones. Anybody had a broken bone? A few of us have, all right? I shattered this wrist playing softball. Uh, they had to piece it together. It was like lots of little fragments and then three main bones, and they had to put in one of those things, uh, titanium, you know, like sheet metal in your arm uh, to kind of hold everything together. Uh, and they had to take it out a year later. Uh, they said it wasn't good to keep it in there. And, um, and but, but, you know, it, it's like that. It's like, you know, sometimes setting a bone, setting a break is not always, sometimes it's painful. But it's not about causing pain or, or trying to avoid pain. It's about bringing healing. See, this is, see, the church, when the church is fellowshipping the way we see in the New Testament, we become a therapeutic community. We, come, we become a place where people are healed from the damage of the sins that ensnare them. We become a place where people are set free from the snares. Brothers and sisters, if someone's caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. Gently. Not harshly. Not get it together, moron. That's actually being ensnared by a sin. Okay? Um, it, restore that person gently. But watch yourselves or you also may be tempted. We need to do it with gentleness, and we need to do it um, with humility, watching out that we don't get ensnared by the same sin. Um, yeah. There are times, there are times, I, I'm just going to say this, and I don't want to 
lose this thought, and I might lose this thought by saying this. There are times where the spiritual leadership of a church, and we see this in the New Testament, and I don't want to develop it today, but we see this throughout the New Testament. There are times where a person in a church can actually be dangerous. There are times. And in those cases, the spiritual leadership are less concerned with being gentle and more concerned with uh, drawing a boundary that protects the rest of the church from the destructive behavior of a person who's like becomes destructive. And we see examples of this in the New Testament. don't want to go into it a lot. But we're talking about that person who, who they're really approachable and really want to follow Jesus, but they're just stuck. And, and so God wants to restore one another. Finally, number six, what, what is it that God is wanting you to do? What is it God is wanting me to do? What does real fellowship look like? Number six, God wants us to build up one another. Okay? God wants us to build up one another. Therefore, encourage one another. Great word. I'd circle that word. Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up. Just as, in fact, you're doing. So, just a little principle that's good for me. Is that I, I, this is good for me to practice. Is sometimes I need to tell myself, if you can't build up, shut up. You understand what I'm saying here? If you can't build up, shut up. In other words, if I can't use my words to really lift a person up, then it's time for me just to keep silent. You know, sometimes wisdom looks like silence. Okay? And and, uh, so I'm not telling you, you know, if you can't build up, shut up. I'm just saying that sometimes I need to remind myself that I need to use my words to build up. Um, We must not tear people down, the people that Jesus has died for. This is what the fellowship of the king looks like. This is what people are supposed to think of when they think of the church. They're supposed to not think primarily about politics because that's happened a lot in our world today. What they're supposed to think about is they're supposed to think about our love for God and our love for one another. That's what they're supposed to think of. That's what they're supposed to see in us. The Scripture says that the early church, that they were continually devoting themselves to fellowship. Fellowship is more than coffee and donuts. Fellowship is more than pleasant conversation after church. Fellowship is how we love one another. I'm going to ask the worship team to go ahead and come back up, and I'm going to lead us in prayer. God, I want to thank you for this church. Uh, I want to thank you uh, for how I've experienced fellowship here and how so many other people have experienced fellowship as well. And Lord, my, my, my prayer is that you would help us to learn how to excel even more in loving one another in, in this way. And I pray this in Jesus' name and for your glory. Amen. Thanks, Gary, so much. Um, you know, I love talking about fellowship and how God, he designed us to have connection with other people. Like, I, I know I'm always doing 
better in my life when I've got women I'm connecting with in a soul level on a regular basis. And I think I love that God designed us that way. So a couple of announcements is we're doing our 40 Days of Purpose, reading through the Purpose Driven Life book, and we've got small groups. And uh, we just really want to encourage everybody plug into a group. Um, that weekly connection is so good. Uh, we also have a reading plan. So if you're wondering, you know, where are we at in the book? It's got, you know, 40 chapters. What day are we on? So at the back table, uh, when you walk in the door, we have a reading plan that shows you um, it's one chapter a day for 40 days. And and then all also all the groups are back there. So there's clipboards and um, with we've got a couple of women's groups, a men's group, and a couple of co-ed groups. So there's a group for everyone, and I want to encourage you, dive in. Um, you can join at any time, and info about the groups and where they're at are on the boards back there. So we just want to encourage everybody to stay connected. And also, um, we just want to say thank you for all of you who are generously giving to Solana Valley. And, you know, I love giving to something that I believe in. And I think when you give to invest in building God's kingdom in this community, it is such a great investment and it's truly a joy. So I want to thank all of you who are giving and all the different ways that you can give. You can go to our website and also to our app um, to give to the ministries of Solana Valley. So thank you for your generosity. Okay, Jason. Why don't we stand up together as we sing?